to say the things you have to say, and that I could be able to be a blessing to those who are here. And as we study these uh, these verses in in this Bible, Father, I pray that you just uh, help us and you'd meet with us in your precious name. I pray, Amen. All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter uh, 45 and 46 tonight. And as we continue the series through the life of Joseph, if you remember from the last chapter, Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers. And after all the events that took place and all the things that Joseph brought his brothers through in order to bring them closer to himself and bring them to get right with God, Joseph reveals himself to his fathers. And we left off there in Genesis 45-25 where his brothers are coming back to Canaan. After they've met with Joseph, Joseph revealed himself to them. They're coming back to Canaan uh, to, to tell Jacob about what happened in Egypt, about Joseph, and they're coming to bring Jacob to Egypt. And if you look at verse number 25, the Bible says, And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. Now, this must have been... Uh, a very wonderful time, or, or we'll see a, a kind of a scary time for Jacob, because when, when Jacob saw his brothers coming, do you remember when, when he, they went to go meet, you remember how we talked in the life of Joseph, there was three meetings between Joseph and his brothers. There was the initial meeting where they came down to Egypt to, to talk to him, uh, then there was when they, uh, Jacob sent them off again, you know, they, they came back, and, and if you remember, Joseph said, don't come back to Egypt without your younger brother Benjamin. He kept their, uh, one of their older brothers, Simeon, in prison, and he said, you come back with Benjamin, I'll give you the food you need, I'll release Simeon, but come back with Benjamin. Because he called them spies, and he said, you came out to spy out the land. And when they went there, actually go, go with me to Genesis uh, 43, they went back to Canaan, and if you remember, uh, Jacob didn't want them to go, because he didn't want to send his youngest son, Benjamin, with them. If you look at Genesis 43, look at verse 1, the Bible says, And the famine was sore in the land. And it came to pass, when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. So he said, go again. And you remember there, Judah, you know, explained to him, we can't go back without Benjamin. We got to go. And finally, uh, Jacob decides, okay, you can go back, uh, go back, you know, to Egypt, go with Benjamin, bring us food. And if you remember, Jacob or, or Joseph met with his brothers there the second time at that wonderful feast there. He sends them again, but the third time he doesn't let Ethan leave, leave, he doesn't allow them to leave Egypt before he uh, sets up Benjamin as a thief. And then they come back and he reveals himself. And we preach throughout all that so that you you should be familiar with that if you've been with us. But when, what I'm trying to explain to you is this. When they're coming back, Jacob is expecting them to come back with Benjamin, with Simeon, and with food. That's what he's expecting. And when they get back, instead, they tell him something that he cannot believe. Look at verse 25 again. Actually, verse 26. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. They said, they said to Jacob, Joseph, your youngest son, Joseph. Because remember, Jacob thought Joseph was dead. His sons lied to him. When they sold him into slavery, they said, You're, you know, we found his coat and they put blood on it from an animal. And he said, surely he's dead and he's been rent by a beast. And those whole time, Jacob thought Joseph was dead. And they come to him and they say, hey, Joseph is yet alive. And they said, even more than the fact that Joseph is yet alive, he is a governor of all the land of Egypt. Remember how I told you that Joseph was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you remember how when Jesus Christ was crucified? The Bible says that. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was put on the cross. And the Bible tells us that He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible literally teaches that while Jesus Christ was on the cross, not only did He take our sins upon Himself, which He did, the Bible tells us that He literally became sin for us. See, I don't understand that. I don't understand either. I just accept it by faith. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ took on the sins of all mankind. He took on your sin and my sin and everyone who's ever lived. I mean, every sin that Adolf Hitler committed, every sin that every criminal, that every rapist, that every that everyone has ever committed, Jesus Christ took that sin as if He was the one. He took that punishment as if He'd done it and He became sin for us. Do you remember the story? How it says that, that God the Father literally had to turn His back from His Son because he could not look at him because of the sin that was put upon his son. Do you remember that? And for the first time, God the Father and God the Son were separated because of the sin that was upon Jesus. Uh, upon Jesus. That's what happened. You say, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand either. Because Jesus is God. We, we get that. But somehow the person of God the Father and the person of Jesus Christ, God the Father turned his back. You remember the whole world became dark and he couldn't and Jesus cried out and he said, you, you know, he said, Why has thou forsaken me? He's saying, you know, God, why are you forsaking me? Because for the first time there's a separation between God the Son and God the Father. But can you imagine the story here? Because Jacob and Joseph have been separated for a long time. And Jacob and Joseph were separated because of sin. His brother's sins. And Jacob was under the understanding that Joseph was dead. Could you imagine how it was when maybe, I don't know, the angels came to God the Father? Because remember, God the Father turned His back on Jesus Christ. And could you imagine how it was maybe three days later? When the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we sing that song, Up from the grave He arose with a mighty power over His foes. And Jesus Christ resurrected from that grave with power and triumph after three days of being dead, after three days of being buried, after three days of being in hell, suffering eternal damnation for our sin. After three days, He resurrected from the grave. And could you imagine how it was when maybe the angels or maybe somebody went to God the Father and they said, Hey, Joseph, you know, the spiritual Joseph, the heavenly Joseph, when they said, Hey, Jesus, your son, is yet alive. And even more than the fact that he's yet alive, they said, He's the governor of all the land. He resurrected with power and strength and kingdom. And when the Bible does, when Jesus resurrected, he resurrected in his glorified body with glory. Just like Joseph here. Amen. They come to Jacob and they say, Hey, Joseph is yet alive. And he's got power. Just like Jesus. Amen. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But look, he gets these wonderful news. Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And look what the Bible says. I'd like you to see, number one, I'd like you to see Jacob's faintness. He gets these wonderful news. And the Bible says, and Jacob's heart fainted. For he believed them not. That's not the response I was expecting from Jacob. The Bible says Jacob's heart fainted. You think he would be happy, you think he would be overjoyed, you think he would be 
excited, but instead he was, his heart fainted. That word faint or fainted has to do with weakness. Jacob's heart was weak. Jacob's heart was without strength. You say, why? Why did Jacob's heart faint? Well, you got to understand, if, if you were with us, remember when we were preaching through the life of Jacob before we got into the series of the life of Joseph? Jacob's gone through a lot in his life. Yeah, I know we've, we haven't talked about Jacob in a while because we've been dealing with Joseph, but now Jacob is back on the spotlight through the pages of the Bible. And Jacob, remember Jacob has gone through a lot in his life. Remember when he stole the blessing? Uh, he, first he, he, he took the birthright from his brother Esau, then he stole the blessing from his brother Esau, and he ran into, uh, and he ran from that, you know, from those issues and those problems, and God dealt with him in a very uh, good way and brought him close. Remember, he, 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 uh, he, he took out the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob was limping. Do you remember when Jacob's uh, wife that he loved, Rachel, died? Jacob lost his son, Joseph. Supposedly, he believed that Joseph was dead. Jacob's son, Simeon, was now in prison in Egypt. Look, these people were people like you and I. How would you react if you found out your son was in prison? He'd gone through a lot. And now he, he thought that maybe he could lose Benjamin. And this is what happens. And what I'm trying to get you to understand. Life and the trials of life and the tribulations of life and the circumstances we go through often will pound you and pound you and pound you and pound you and they'll make your heart weak. They'll make your heart without strength. They'll make your heart faint. And when you should be excited, Jacob hears these things and he just thinks to himself, I, I don't know that I can do this anymore. He said, this is what Jacob's thinking to himself, you boys are the ones who came and told me Joseph was dead. Now you're coming and telling me Joseph's alive. And this is what Jacob was thinking, I don't know that I can do this anymore. It's just too much. It's, too, it's up and down. I've got this son, and I've got, I, I have this son, and then I don't have this son. I have this son, and then I don't have this son. I lose this son, and then this one comes back. And he says his heart was faint. But let me tell you, where does faint-heartedness come from? Look at, look at verse 26 again. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. Look what it says. And Jacob's heart fainted. Here's why. For. That word for there means because. It says because for he believed them not. Do you see that? A faint heart comes because of unbelief. You want to know why this world can't deal with issues? You watch somebody who has faith. And you watch somebody who does not have faith. Go through the same struggles, go through the same trials, go through the same tribulations, and some of them come out with strength, and some of them come out faint, because the difference is faith. I remember I, I remember there was a, a family that my wife and I became very close to at our old church, Fellowship Baptist Church. We worked with them very closely in, in ministry. And I remember we found out about them that they had a nine-year-old son that had died. They, they... They, they were having a, a fa- actually they had a family coming in from out of town from from New York and they were spending time they'd taken a week off of, off of uh, work and they were spending time with their families they'd taken them to San Francisco and all these other places they were having fun and they came home one night they they you know they, they ate they had fellowship they went to bed and the next day they woke up and they were getting ready to do something else, you know. They were having a vacation time. And this father, he went over and to wake up his son, to get him ready. And as soon as he touched him, he was cold. 
And I remember he told me a story. He said he was cold, and I, he said I immediately knew he was, he was dead. And they, you know, he began to shake him. They called the hot, you know, the, the ambulance, all these things. And they they did a, they they did what was that? Man, I just I just lost the autopsy. it. Yeah, the autopsy. And the the doctor said to them, this is what the doctor said. He said we can't find anything that happened to him. There's no trauma. Yeah, I mean, we we can't figure out what happened. The, the doctor said it's literally like somebody just just like. Hit, hit, you know, like when you turn the lights off, you just hit the switch. It seems like somebody just hit the switch on his body. He just was gone. And around the same time, he was playing. And they told us about how hard that was, and that trial, and that struggle. Losing a nine-year-old son. And they told us about how they went through that time, and it brought them closer as a family to each other. And it brought them closer as a family to God. And they really relied on their faith to get them through that trial. And it was kind of, I don't know if funny is the right word, but it was, it, it was a little funny, because they told me the story. This didn't happen recently. It was something that happened to them a decade earlier. But around that same time, my wife and I were having uh, uh, dinner with this other couple. And this other couple had said, what the, the, the wife had said, uh, you know, my family and I, we used to go to church. Uh, but my, my parents, they, they quit going to church when I was a little girl. And, and we asked them, well, why did your parents quit going to church? And they said, well, what happened was that there was this, this neighbor family that we were close to, and their, their little child died, and, and my parents couldn't understand why God would allow that to happen. And I'm thinking to myself, so your neighbor kid dies, and that causes you to quit on your family, not you, but your family to quit on God. And this other family, their kid died, and it caused them to grow closer to God. And I think to myself, what's, what's the difference? And here's the difference. Faith. Faith. Amen. I don't understand. This is why this, is, and I know I talk about this a lot, and maybe it's just whatever, I'm sorry. But this is why the world today just lives from meditation to meditation to meditation to they need this, they need that. They need what? You say, why, why do they, you know, they deal with these struggles and they deal with this pain and they do. Why is it that today people are nervous breaks down and this and that? And I'm not mocking that. I feel bad for people who are going through that. But here's the difference. Faith. Faith. Faith in God will get you through the trials and the tribulations. Faith in God and believing in God. And the truth of the matter is this. We've been reading about Joseph for over 20 years now. And this is the first time we've heard about Jacob. And I've got to ask myself, Jacob, what have you been doing? His heart was faint. And the Bible tells us, the last phrase of verse 26, it says, And Jacob's heart fainted, here's the reason, for he believed them not. See, faith equals trust. When you put your faith in something, you're trusting in something. This world has no one to trust. They have no one to believe in. They can't believe. They, they, don't, they don't have anybody that's going to stand by them. And they see, that's why we need to go out and we need to preach the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ because that faith can help you. But the Bible says that he believed in knowledge, verse 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph. I want you to make note of this. They told him the words of Joseph. Do you see that? And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Do you remember when Joseph said, he said, I want you to tell my father of all the glory you've seen in Egypt. He said, I want you to go and tell my dad that I'm alive, that I'm the governor of Egypt. Tell him all my glory, tell him all my power, tell him I want to come. 
feed them, I'm going to take care of them. They can come to Egypt throughout this famine. And he sent his brothers off with that word. But behind his brothers went wagons, because Joseph also sent gifts, and he sent money, and he sent clothing, and he sent food for the trip. And I want you to notice this. Jacob would not believe Joseph's words, but he would believe Joseph's wagons. You see that? The wagons represent God's goodness. The wagons represent God's, you know, God's providence and God providing. His words represent the Word of God. And so often that's how we are as Christians. God, the Bible tells you, hey, do this, and we don't believe that. But, but when God steps in and does something miraculous, we believe that. And that's just typical of us. And in verse 27 it says, And they told him all the words of Joseph, not good enough, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, you notice what he said? When he saw the wagons which Joseph had said to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And let me tell you something. The wagons are good, and the wagons are great. The providence of God is good. And when God provides, and when God moves, and when God does, hey, I can tell you stories about things that God has done in my life, wagons that God brought into my life, that I could, that I could say, hey, you know, that built my faith. But let me tell you something. Do you notice how the word comes before the wagons? You better just decide right now that you're going to put faith in God's Word. Because the Word comes before the wagon, and if the wagons never show up, if Joseph would have said, hey, go tell my dad about the glory that you saw in Egypt, but he, he never sent any wagons, would his Word have been any less true? Of course not. And God's Word is always true, whether or not wagons follow. But we saw Jacob's faintness, but then we see... His spirit revived and he had some faith there because he saw the words, because he heard the words, but because he saw the wagons. Look at verse 28. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Look at verse 1 of chapter 46. We saw number one, Jacob's faintless, and we saw number two, Jacob's faith. His spirit revived and we saw him exercise some faith, not when he heard the word, but when he saw the wagons. But I'd like you to see number three. Look at Jacob's fear. Look at, look at what it says in verse one. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Look what he says. Look, look at what God says to Jacob. Fear not. Why would God say to Jacob, fear not? Here's why. Because Jacob was fearing. And Jacob was afraid to go down to Egypt. You say, why was Jacob afraid to go down to Egypt? Well, actually, Jacob had pretty good reasons to go down to Egypt. To, to be afraid to go down to Egypt. Do you remember, if you were with us when we were been preaching through the book of Genesis, do you remember when we were preaching about Abraham? Do you remember in Genesis chapter 12? Actually, go there with me just real quickly. In Genesis chapter number 12. Do you remember when Abraham... Went down to Egypt for the first time. What were the circumstances? Do you remember? Look at what it says. In Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 10. Look what Genesis 12.10 says. Remember, Abraham was the great patriarch that started this whole thing. That God chose. Abraham was Jacob's grandfather. Joseph's great-grandfather. And if you look at Genesis chapter number 12. And... Verse number 10, the Bible says, And there was a famine in the land. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what Jacob's dealing with right now? 
Bible says, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt. Isn't that where Jacob's headed right now? To sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. Abraham went down to Egypt because of a famine. And I'm not going to take the time to read the verses because it's going to take too long. But do you remember what happened in, in, in Egypt? Remember how he was afraid that they would kill him because his wife was so beautiful? And he lied about his wife and he said, she's my sister. And they took her to try to marry her because they thought he was a sister. And then God came in and all that's happened. And then, you know, actually look at verse number, uh, look, look at verse 17. Uh, uh, chapter 12 there. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with a great plague because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Because Pharaoh was going to marry Abraham's wife because Abraham lied and said she's my sister. So God had to step in. Look at verse 18. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and look what he says, and go thy way. You know what Pharaoh told Abraham? He said, Get out of Egypt. When Abraham went to Egypt, it wasn't a good story. It was a bad, it was a bad thing. But there's more. Look at Genesis 26. Abraham's son was Isaac. Isaac is Jacob's father. Look at Genesis 26.2. Look what happens. Genesis chapter number 26, look at verse 2. Actually, look at verse 1. Genesis 26, look at verse 1. Tell me if this sounds familiar. And there was a famine in the land. Does that sound familiar? Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So we're talking about Genesis 12. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Look at verse 2. And the Lord appeared unto him, this is Isaac, this is Jacob's father, and said, Go not down into where? Egypt. Dwell in the land which I tell thee of. Because Isaac had the same inclination as his father. And, it, and it's funny, we preached on it before, but Isaac ended up lying about his wife, saying it was his sister, and, and the king ended up trying to marry Isaac, you know, the same thing. And let me tell you something, the sins of mom and dad are usually, go down from generation to generation. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a proven fact. Mom and dad smoke, kids are probably going to smoke. Mom and dad do drugs, kids are probably going to do drugs. Mom and dad are faithful to church, kids are probably going to be faithful to church. That's how it works. But there we see, I, I, there's, a, there's a famine, you can go back to Genesis 45, there's a, or Genesis 46, there's a famine in the land, and Isaac's tendency is to go down to Egypt because of the famine. And the only reason he didn't go is because God forbade him. God said, do not go to Egypt. So Abraham goes to Egypt because of a famine, things go horribly wrong. I, that's Jacob's grandfather. Isaac wants to go down to Egypt because of a famine, and God says no. And now Jacob finds himself in a famine <laughs> on his way to Egypt. And you can imagine as he's traveling down in those beautiful wagons that Joseph sent, he's probably thinking to himself, this might not turn out well. And he fears. Now look, the Bible says we ought not fear anyone. Remember when we preached on Halloween? Fear is bad. Except for fearing God. We ought to fear God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Jacob begins to get some righteous fear here. He starts to get afraid of what God might do to him. And look what he does in verse 1 of chapter 46. And Israel took his journey with all that he had. 
I came to Beersheba. Now, Beersheba is a very specific place in the Bible, and we talked about it before. Beersheba, uh, Abraham has a lot of history there, Beersheba, Isaac has history in Beersheba. But here's what you got to understand about this city of Beersheba. Beersheba is right on the southern tip of Canaan. Jacob is traveling south to Egypt. And when he gets to Beersheba, Beersheba is the last exit before he leaves Canaan, before he leaves the promised land. And Jacob says this, stop the wagons. He says, before we leave Canaan land, i got to do something. Look what he says. And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God, and look what the Bible is highlighting for us, unto the God of his father Isaac. Okay? Why is Isaac on Jacob's mind? Isaac is on Jacob's mind because Jacob knows full well that God told Isaac not to go to Egypt. Don't go because of a famine. And as Jacob, Israel, is getting ready to travel down to Egypt because of a famine, he thinks, you know what? I better make a sacrifice to that God of my father. And I better make sure that this is God's will. And here's what you're going to say. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful illustration. Because you've got to understand this in your Christian life, okay? Let me read a quote for you. I read this somewhere and I thought it was really good. And I don't know that I could say it better than this. Here's a quote. Just because something looks like the right thing to do, just because all the circumstances point that way, just because one's own desires affirm the move, And just because everyone else urges it is a sensible thing to do, does not necessarily mean that it is the will of God. And everything said to Jacob, Jacob, this is the right thing to do. Jacob, you're going to starve in Canaan. Jacob, there's a famine. Jacob, Joseph's alive. Jacob, your family's telling you to go. You're telling yourself to go. You want to see your son. God's telling you to go. But Jacob said, you know what? Just because it looks good, and just because it might feel good, it might, it might, be, it might seem like the right thing, everybody's telling me it's the right thing, I better just make sure, I better just stop right here. Before I step out of the will of God, I'm just going to stop right here. He said, I'm going to make a sacrifice to God. I'm going to make sure this is God's will. That's a great that's a great story though. That ought to be our pattern. Well, Pastor, you understand this job that I got, man, it's just so good. It's so good. People tell me hey, this job that I got is so good. Hey, man, I just God's opening up this door and I'm gonna be able to be this great manager at this blah blah blah. And this is this is a question I gotta ask people. Was there a good trick to that? Well, I don't really know. I didn't really look at it. Oh, hold on a second. You're going to move somewhere? You're going to know there's a good Bible? I'm not talking about... I didn't say is there a church there. Because I'm sure there's a church there. I'm saying is there a good church. You say, well, what do you mean by a church? I mean a Bible preaching church. I mean a King James Bible preaching church. I mean a soul winning church. I mean a church that's going to edify you and teach you and help you grow and make sure you can maybe get rebuked a little bit when you need it. A church is going to preach God's word. Is there a church there? You say, well, maybe I should pray about it. Maybe you should pray about it. Maybe you need to... Figure out that every step in your life must be ordained by God. And Jacob had gone through enough things in his life where he thought, you know what, guys? Before we leave Canaan, you know, the promised land, he said, I really want to see Joseph, and I really want to get to Egypt, but let's just stop right here. And I just, I I picture this in my mind. I I like to have these stories play out in my mind. I I imagine this old man, Jacob, stepping off these beautiful wagons. 
I mean, these weren't Honda Civics, you know. The, the, these were these were Mercedes Benz. These were nice wagons. And he, he steps off these wagons, and he's probably wearing real nice clothing because remember Jacob, because Joseph sent them down, not a lot of nice clothes, clothing. And I just imagine this old man stepping off this beautiful wagon, wearing these beautiful clothes, getting down on the dirt in Beersheba, and sacrificing and praying to God and saying, God, is this your will? Jacob has learned a thing or two in his life. I said, number one, we saw Jacob's faintness. Number two, we saw Jacob's faith. Number three, we saw Jacob's fear. Number four, I'd like you to see, and, and this is the last point, I'd like you to see Jacob's fellowship. Jacob's fellowship. We haven't heard from Jacob in a while, right? It's been a while since the last time we saw Jacob in the book of Genesis. But you know what's interesting? As soon as Jacob decides, I'm going to sacrifice unto the God of his father, Isaac. Look at verse 2. As soon as he sacrificed, look at verse 2. And God spake. Do you see those three words? And God spake. You know, God is available. God is available for you and God is available for me. God is not any more available for you than he is for me. God's not any more available for Jacob than he was for Joseph, than he's for the Apostle Paul. God is available. All he's waiting for you is to get on your knees and ask and pray. The Bible says, you know, we haven't heard from Jacob for this whole time, the whole life of Joseph, all these events. We haven't heard Jacob. We didn't hear Jacob go to God when he heard about his son dying. We didn't hear Jacob go to God when all these events are going, when his sons are going back and forth from him. We don't. But as soon as we see Jacob get down on his knees, sacrifice to God, the very next verse says, and God spake. What does that tell you? God is available. God wants to hear from you. And as soon as you make one step towards God, He takes one step towards you. But the reverse is the same. Listen to me. You take one step towards God, God takes one step towards you. The Bible tells us in the book of James, you take one step away from God, God takes one step away from you. That's how it works. And Jacob takes a step step towards God. He says, I'm going to sacrifice here. And the Bible says, verse 2, And God spake unto Israel. This is the fellowship he had with God. In the vision of the night. And he said, look what God says to him. He said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. You say, why do I need to have fellowship with God? Here's why you need to have fellowship with God. Fellowship with God, number one, gives you direction. Look at verse 3. And he said, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will, for I will there make of thee a great nation. He says, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a great nation out of you in Egypt. Look at verse 4. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thy eyes. Notice God's direction. He says, I'm going to send you to Egypt, but I'm going to send you to Egypt, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and when you get there, you're going to see your son Joseph, and he's going to get so close to you, he's actually going to put his hands on your eyes. God directs him. Not only that, fellowship with God brings assurance of His presence. Look what He said, look at verse 3 again. And He said, I am God, the God of the Father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. Why should you not fear, Jacob? Look what He says. For, that word for there means because. He says, here's why you shouldn't fear, Jacob. Because I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee. He says, hey Jacob, I'm with you. And I will also surely bring thee up again. See, here, and here, here's what you got to understand too. It was wrong for Abraham to go down into Egypt. 
it was wrong for Isaac to go down to Egypt, but it was right for Jacob to go down to Egypt. You say, what's the difference? One had God with them. See, just because something isn't a sin doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you to do. Well, pastor, is it a sin that I take that job? Well, it might not be a sin for Jacob, but it might be a sin for you, Abraham. See, you've got to find God's will for your life. See, I might be able to do something and it's fine. And then you try to do it and God's punishment comes on you. You might do something and I think, that's a great idea, I'm going to do that. And God chastises me. Because, of different, because I can't run your course and you can't run my course. Jacob, God's will was for Jacob to go down. Because God said, I'm going to go with you. But when Abraham went down to Egypt, Abraham went by himself. Because when Abraham went to Egypt, he left God behind in Canaan. Because God's will was for Abraham to stay in Canaan. And God's will was for Isaac to stay in Canaan. But God's will was for Jacob to go to Egypt. Fellowship with God gives direction. Fellowship with God gives assurance. Fellowship with God gives confidence. Let's read from verse 3 again. Look what he says. And he said, I am God. The God of thy father. I like how he acknowledges Isaac. He said, look, I, I know your father. I, he, this is what God is saying. I know I told your father not to go. But it's alright, I'm God. He says, fear not to go down into Egypt. For I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt. And I will also surely bring thee up again. Notice what he says. He says, I'm sending you to Egypt now, but that's not where you're going to stay. He said, I'll bring you out of Egypt again. And Joseph shall put his hands upon thine eyes. Look at verse 5. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba. And the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and rose and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods and they had, that they had gone in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him. I want you to just look at verse 5. We're almost done. Just look at the first part of verse 5. And Jacob rose up. Here's, here's, what, I, here's what you need to understand. Pastor, if Jacob would have never stopped in Beersheba and done that sacrifice and had a little fellowship time with God, he would have gone down to Egypt and it would have been fine. And you're right. It would have been fine. But the whole way down, he'd have been in fear. He'd have been suffering anxiety attacks. He'd have been thinking, God, what is God going to do to me? What is God going to, you know, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I doing, he would have been second guessing himself the whole time. He would have been thinking, oh, should I have done this? See, Jacob went down with a lot of questions, a lot of fears. But when he rose back up, he rose with confidence. You know why? Because he met with God. Amen. And you can go through your life scared to death. Is this what God wants me to do? Is this a job God wants me to take? Is this where God wants me to live? Is this what God wants me to do? Should I be here? Should I be there? I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm nervous. I don't know what to do. Live like that if you want. But maybe you just ought to learn to get some fellowship with God and then you can raise up. You go down to your prayer closet on your knees and you go down with anxieties and with hurt and with fear and you're scared. You know what to do. You know what to do. You come back off your knees after spending that fellowship with God and you just walk up confidently. Jacob stepped. He, he rose up. Maybe brushed that dirt off his knees. Got back on the wagon. And he said, let's go, guys. And he traveled back to Egypt with confidence. Why? Because he took time to fellowship with God. And he knew, God is with me. Amen. That's why you fellowship. 
That's why before you start your day, you get up 20 minutes early, 30 minutes early, before you go to work, before you go to school, and you take out this Bible, and you spend time reading this Bible, and you spend time on your knees praying and fellowshipping with God, you say, well, would I be, wouldn't I be okay if I didn't do that? You would be okay, but you have direction, and you have assurance, and you know that God's with you, and you have confidence, and I don't want to live my life just walking and thinking, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? I don't really know. I don't really understand. I don't really get it. assurance and that confidence. And Jacob just rose up. He he went down a very scared man. Remember, God said, fear not. He went down a very fearful man. He went down a man with many questions. He went down a man with many concerns. But he rose up a very confident man. He got back in that wagon and said, let's go guys. Let's go see my son Joseph. God's in it. That's what fellowship with God will do for you. That's what fellowship with God will do for any of us. Beautiful story with Jacob. And we'll talk more about Jacob in the next few weeks as we travel down into Egypt with him. But you ought to have that fellowship with God. Don't let your heart faint. Have some faith. Have some fellowship. It'll get rid of that fear. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Father, I'm amazed with the book of Genesis. I'm amazed with your Bible. Every time I open it up to read it, I think, man, this is what I need. And Father, I pray you bless those who are here tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray that this short Bible study would have helped them and encouraged them to take some time to fellowship with you. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.